Lord, today we're looking in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 21. 2 Chronicles chapter number 21 this morning. We're going to read verse number 1, and then we're going to read verse number 20. 2 Chronicles chapter number 21 this morning, reading verse 1, and then we're going to uh, uh, go down and read verse number 20 this morning. Are we ready? The Bible says that Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. And verse number 20 says, He was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for eight years, and to no one's sorrow departed. However, they buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. I have a question for you this morning, and the question is, how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? Father, thank you for the word of the Lord today. It indeed is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, we just pray that your anointing, Lord, will be upon us today. Father, help us to challenge your people today. Father, let us hear the word of the Lord this morning and respond to it appropriately, we ask. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, this past Tuesday, I preached my sister's memorial service. You see, only at times like these are we willing to think about our own mortality. Her death and memorial service got me to thinking along these lines. Hebrews 9 and 27 tells us that all of us have an appointment with death. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. We all have an appointment with death. It's an appointment that all of us are going to keep. You see, one day our body will lie in a casket. One day the preacher will eulogize us. How will we be remembered? What will the epitaph say on our tombstone? Somebody said, live your life so that the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. (laughs) Me being your pastor, I would appreciate that very much. I will not lie at your funeral, but you could make it a little bit easier on me, if you would. I want us to look this morning at the lives of four men. And I have a one-word summary of each of their lives. But the question I want us to ask this morning is, what is that one-word summary of our life? If people could summarize our life with one word, what would that one word be? When I was preparing to... Uh, minister the message for my sister's memorial service, I, I, I talked to my sister's children, all three of her kids, and, and I asked them, I said, what is the one word that best describes your mother, my sister? The word that they gave me was the word unique. Unique. I, I thought that was a little bit humorous at, at first. Unique. But they said that best describes her because they said she definitely was one of a kind. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I like that. I like that because, you see, everybody is born an original, but most people die a carbon copy. 
Well, the first man I want us to talk about today is a man by the name of King Jehoram. His story is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 21. And the one word summary that I have for his life is unloved. Unloved. Jehoram's story is one of the sadder stories in the entirety of the word of the Lord. He came from good stock. Uh, His father Jehoshaphat was was one of Judah's very best kings. His grandfather Asa was also a, a very good and godly king. Jehoram had a godly heritage. He he could have taken the traits of his father and the traits of his grandfather. He could have built upon their foundation. He could have added his unique traits and insights. and, And he could have become one of the greatest kings of Judah ever. And yet the Bible says that at the end of Jehoram's short reign of only eight years, he died unloved and unappreciated. Verse number 20 that we read earlier said in the New Living Translation, it says, No one was sorry when he died. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the royal cemetery. You see, there were no tears at his funeral. In fact, in fact, they didn't even give him a public funeral. He was the king. Oh, but they refused to bury him in the cemetery designated for kings. Oh, friend, how sad, how sad to live your entire life. And when you die, nobody is sorry. When you die, nobody is mourning. Oh, when you die, no tears are being shed and no honor is being given. How was Jehoram remembered? Well, I say he was remembered unloved. What was it? What was it about his life that caused him to be Unloved. Well, let, let me suggest four things this morning. Let, let me suggest, first of all, he was unloved because he lacked loyalty. We'll find that in verse 4. I'm not going to take the time to read all these verses, but in verse 4 it tells us that, that Jehoram killed his own brothers. Why in the world would he kill his own brothers? Well, perhaps he did so that, uh, oh, so that he would be the only heir to the throne. Perhaps he was killing off all of his competition. He was selfish and self-seeking. He, he had a thirst for power and a thirst for wealth and, and for everything else that, that the kingship would bring to him. Oh, he could have been good to his brothers. Could have been good to his brothers. Oh, oh he could have given them places of authority. Oh, he could have shared the wealth. He could have shared the power. He could have shared the authority. Instead, he chose to do the unthinkable in killing his very own brothers. Why did King Jehoram die unloved? Well, let me suggest also perhaps because he linked up with the wrong partners. Verse number 6 tells us that, that Jehoram married Athaliah, Athaliah, who was the daughter of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, of which no greater combination of evil ever existed. No doubt, Athaliah's heart was just as black as the heart of her parents. Oh, no doubt, the influence of Athaliah, the influence of Ahab, oh, the influence of Jezebel was just too great for Jehoram to overcome. They led and he followed. 
And friend, this is why that I stand up here time after time after time after time. This is why I tell you over and over and over and over and over again that absolutely nothing is more important in in life than choosing the right people to hang out with. Because like begets like. Jehoram died unloved because, let me suggest, number three, he led his people into idolatry. We find that in verse number 11. Oh, oh, he built pagan shrines to the hill country of Judah to give themselves to pagan gods and to go astray. His father and his grandfather had spent years tearing down the practice of idolatry. Oh, but Jehoram promoted it. Why did he die in love? Let me suggest number four, because he lost the favor of God. He lost the favor of God. Oh, verse 12 through 15, if we took time, would tell us this. Oh, oh, Jehoram's father and grandfather walked in the ways of the Lord. And because that they walked in the ways of the Lord, they had the, 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 the favor of God. They had the hand of God. They had the blessing of God upon them and upon their people. Because of the wickedness of Jehoram, because he chose to walk an opposite path of his heritage, God lifted his hand of favor from the people. Calamity and adversity and affliction came to them instead. King Jehoram lived. His life in such a way that when he died, not even one tear was shed. Nobody was sorry that he died. He died unloved. Unloved. What a sad commentary on life. But the question I have for you this morning, the question that I must answer for myself today is, how are we going to be Remembered. What will be our epitaph? What is that one word if people would describe us? If they could describe our life in only one word, what would that one word description be? Let's look at another one this morning. Let's look at the life of another man. His name was Methuselah. Methuselah. If you're good on Bible trivia, you'll know Methuselah. Because he lived longer than any other man in history. But the one word, epitaph, the one word, description that I have given this man named Methuselah is the word unaccomplished. Unaccomplished. What does the Bible say about this man? Well, you'll have to find it in the book of Genesis chapter number 5 and verse number 27. It says that all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. That's all it says. He lived for 969 years. He lived longer than any other man since the beginning of time. He lived longer, yet accomplished nothing. Frank S. Mead, in his book, Who's Who in the Bible, writes, he says, Mark Twain once made a commencement address which he opened with these words. Mark Twain says, the subject of my remarks today is Methuselah. He lived to be 969 years. But what of that? There was nothing doing. According to Frank Mead, Mark Twain did well. He put into these words the complete biography of the Bible's most useless man. 
He continues to write to Methuselah. Evidently, life was just simply one day after another. He writes, he holds the record for birthdays, but for absolutely nothing else. He writes, his life had length, but no breath. His life had length, but no depth. He continues to write of Methuselah. No vision ever gloried his clay. His heart never leapt. Oh, his feet never took him on a walk with his father's God. He simply lived for 969 years and then he died. I love the following poem I discovered years ago. I put it in every sermon I can. I like it. So there was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang nor prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. Or see, since he never really lived, they claim he never died. What was it about Methuselah that though that he could live longer than any other man and yet he died unaccomplished? Well, we can only speculate. The Bible doesn't really say, but we can only speculate. And let me suggest three possibilities. Perhaps this morning it was because he had no purpose. Somebody said, he who aims at nothing never misses. Oh, perhaps it was because he had no plan. He had no plan. Oh, friend, it's funny. We, we wouldn't think of building a house without a plan. Hey, you won't even bake a cake unless you've got a plan. And yet most people live their entire lives with no plan. Perhaps Methuselah's epitaph read, unaccomplished because he had no passion. Nothing excited him. Nothing moved him. He probably possessed the enthusiasm of a manila envelope. No doubt his favorite color was beige. Oh, how sad this morning. How sad. How sad to live. Oh, but not really live. To live, but not really be alive. To live, but really only exist. How will you be remembered? Are you accomplishing anything that really matters? Are you involved in anything that will live on once you are gone? I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to just take up space. I don't want to just breathe air. I don't want to just eat and sleep and rest and work. I don't know about you this morning, but I want my life to count. I want my life to mean something. And when I'm gone, I want something to be left behind, something of me and something of my life to be left behind and continue to live on. That's why I love I love our vision for missions. Oh, that we can get outside of our four walls and we can get a, a loose side of us and our four and no more. And we can get involved and link up with things and people and ministries around the world that will go on and on and on and on long after we are gone. Let's look at another man in Scripture. How about a man by the name of Solomon? And the one word summary of his life, I'm using the word unfulfilled. Unfulfilled. Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, verse 1 and 2. The words of Solomon, he said, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. No doubt Solomon was the richest man that ever 
live. No doubt he had anything and everything that his hearts desired. No doubt there was nothing that was withheld from him. Absolutely nothing that he wanted that he did not have. He had power. He had prestige. He had position. He had possessions. And yet he died unfulfilled. How could this be? How in the world could you have anything and everything, all that you could ever desire and ever want, and yet when you come to the end of the life, you're unfulfilled? How could that be? Let me suggest three reasons or three possibilities this morning. I believe number one is because he looked in the wrong place. He looked in the wrong place. Solomon looked to himself for happiness. He looked to himself for satisfaction. He looked to himself for fulfillment. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 3. Oh, Solomon said, I searched in my heart. Yeah, I searched in my heart. Oh, Solomon was so arrogant and so conceited and so self-assured. Oh, he thought all he needed was himself. He and he alone could bring fulfillment. He and he alone could bring satisfaction to his so, if we had time this morning, we'd read Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. And in these verses, you will notice so many times where Solomon uses the words I, my, myself, and me. Read that when you get home this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. Count them, count them, no less than 34 times. No less than 34 times in eight verses, Solomon uses the words I, my, myself, and me. Solomon was unfulfilled because he looked for fulfillment in the wrong place. He looked to himself. Somebody said it well when they said, He who is all wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. Perhaps he was... Also unfulfilled because he loved the wrong things. He loved the wrong things. Notice the list that Solomon gives in these eight verses. Uh, oh, wine, houses, vineyards, garden, uh, gardens, uh, oh, orchards, servants, possessions, cattle, sheep, silver, gold, singers, entertainers, whatever my eyes saw that I wanted. I believe that Solomon was miserable because he loved the wrong things. He loved stuff. He loved stuff. He loved things. He loved pleasure. He loved power. He loved possessions. But the problem is this morning that all oh, these things in and of themselves will not satisfy. Nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. Yet in and of themselves they will not possess the power to satisfy. Perhaps Solomon was unfulfilled because he lorded his power. You see, much of what Solomon possessed, much of what he built came to him from forced labor. It came to him from exorbitant taxes that he laid upon his people. You see, there is a natural satisfaction that comes to us when we work hard and when we treat people fairly and then we are rewarded because of it. There is a, there is a natural satisfaction that takes place. But friends, satisfaction is absent when we cheat. There's no satisfaction in dishonest gain. Fulfillment is lacking when we reach our goals at the expense of somebody else. Solomon mistreated his people. He took advantage of them. He, he, he laid too heavy a burden on them. And the result, vanity of vanities, Solomon said, all is 
vanity. Oh, how sad. How sad. Oh, to live your entire life with everything you thought you wanted. Everything you thought you needed. Everything you thought would make you happy. To live your life and have all of this. But at the end of your life to discover that what you thought you wanted wasn't what you wanted after How sad when you finally, after climbing and climbing and climbing up that ladder, finally you reach the height of that ladder, only discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. And you fought and you clawed and you scratched and you worked and you manipulated and you cheated and you connived and you did everything you could do to get up to the top of the ladder only to discover wall it's leaning on is not the wall that will bring you happiness and contentment and peace of mind. The question I'm asking today is how will you be remembered? What will history record of you? What will be that one word summary of your life? For King Jehoram, the word was unloved. For Methuselah, the word was unaccomplished. For Solomon, it was unfulfilled. Let's look at one more man in the Bible. A man by the name of John the Baptist. It's really a misprint. He's really the assembly of God. But What is that one word, summary for John the Baptist? I believe it is the word unequaled. Unequaled. Matthew 11 and 11, Jesus said of him, I say to you, among those born of women. And how many know that includes everybody? (laughs) Jesus said, among those that are born of women. Or in other words, among all men, among everybody that has ever been born, Jesus said, there has not risen not even one that is greater than John the Baptist. What an epitaph. Unequaled. None greater. What was it about John the Baptist that made him so great? So great that Jesus said, he's the best I got. Let me suggest four things quickly this morning. I believe that he was unequaled because he recited the message. He recited the message, Luke chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. And he went into all the region of the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. I think it's humorous that some people in church mark their Bibles when the preacher preaches, hoping they can catch him. Repeating a sermon as if it's the unpardonable sin. They're mad. They're mad that the worship leader don't sing old songs. And they're mad if the preacher don't preach a new sermon. Figure that one. Some people love to write in their Bibles trying to catch that preacher if he would try and sneak in a sermon more than once. Hey, hey, John the Baptist only had one sermon. He only had one sermon. Repent, repent. 
For the Messiah is coming. Repent. Repent. The Messiah is coming. That's the only sermon he had. Not only did John the Baptist recite the message, but he recognized the Messiah. He was the greatest because he recognized the Messiah. John 1 and 29. Oh, John said when he saw Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Not only did John the Baptist recite the message and recognize the Messiah, but he, he resisted pride. He was great because he resisted pride. Luke chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. Oh, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. But John quickly answered their question by saying, I baptize you in water. Oh, but somebody, John said, is coming after me who is far greater than I. John said he's so much greater that I'm not even worthy. Oh, to be a slave. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unlatch his sandal strap. John could have easily gotten puffed up with pride. People were actually mistaking him for the Messiah. Wondering if John, is he the Messiah? Just think of where he could have gone with that. He could have had his own religion. But he resisted the temptation of pride. And what a powerful temptation it is. Did you hear about the clever salesman who... He closed hundreds of deals with this line. He would say, let me show you something that your neighbor said you couldn't afford. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah? Let me have it, man. (laughs) What was it about John the Baptist that made him so great? Let me suggest number four is because he recovered from failure. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, if we would read it tells us that John the Baptist wasn't perfect. That there was only one perfect man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, who had earlier, earlier recognized Jesus as the Messiah, said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, now he has a a lapse of faith, a moment of doubt. And he says this, and he sends people to go ask, Are you the one? Are you the one? Or do we look? For another. He had a momentary lapse of faith, a moment of doubt, but he recovered. He recovered. John's epitaph, the one word summary of his life, unequaled. Unequaled. There has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. These are not my words this morning, but these are the words of the Lord Jesus himself. Wow, what? An epitaph. Somebody could get Braden for me, please. My question for us today, my question for us today is how will we be remembered? What are they going to say about us when we're dead and we're gone? What one word could they use to describe 
our life. Maybe it's quitter. Quitter. Never finished anything. Maybe it'd be the word bitter. I hate to hesitate to say this, but it's the truth. It seems for elderly people, they are either the sweetest people on the planet, or, oh my goodness, they're a mess. They're mean, ugly, vicious, bitter. Seems like there's not very many in between. New Bethel, all we have is the sweet ones because that's all we allow to stay. (laughs) And I mean that sincerely in the fact that we have sweet, precious older people. And I've been around the block. I know what I'm talking about. Are you going to finish your life? Are you going to finish your life as that sweet, wonderful person that everybody loves to hug you and hang around you and be around you? Or are you going to end up that bitter, angry, what is that one word that best describes your life? be the word disgraced. Wow. Wow. I'm going to preach a sermon one of these days. I've been working on it for five years now. I'm going to call it the asterisk. The asterisk. A lot of athletes have records, but there's an invisible asterisk by it that says but he used steroids but he cheated but this that something else I don't want any asterisk by my name how many people do you know that once were such an incredible unbelievable man or woman of God faltered at the end and wiped out all the good for one bad day and they died in disgrace oh oh let's let's close on a positive note this morning oh oh hopefully hopefully that one word might be maybe it'll be dependable dependable We have some dependable people at New Bethel. And they never are on the stage and they don't have any position and they never are never in the limelight. But every time the door is open, they are there. Every time the offering bag goes by, they are represented. They are dependable.
This wouldn't be bad. Visionary. Visionary! He was going somewhere and taking somebody with him. He was doing something with his life. He had dreams. He had goals. He had aspirations. How about honorable? How about integrity? Integrity. He didn't cheat. He didn't lie. He or she was a man of their word. What is that one word that people could use to describe your life? Think about it this morning. and Maybe you don't like the word that would probably said about you. I've got good news for you today. That is, you can change that word can change that this morning. You can make a change in your life. You can start all over this morning living the rest of your life. Let me close with this this morning. Whatever it is that you want people to remember you for, start doing and being what you want to be remembered for. Recently, I was involved in a in something and I was with a couple others and this individual I had not met said well this is what I was told about you this is what I was told about you this is what I was told about you and they laughed because it was a kind of a joke but I didn't like what it was said I didn't like what was was said. And right then and there, I said, I'm not going to be known for that. I'm not going to be known for that. So I'm making a call to the person who said that. And I'm saying, you're right. But I don't want to be known for that. So from this day forward, please don't say that about me because I'm no longer that. It wasn't anything horrible or bad. Your minds are going 90 miles an hour. It's just not what I wanted to be known for. And that wasn't the only thing that I'm known for. It was just for this particular situation. I'm going to make a phone call and say, hey, don't say that about me anymore because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that way anymore. I don't want people to think me not be that way. That's not the way I want to be thought of. Even in a joking and in a fun way, I, that's not the way I want to be thought about. What is it in your life this morning? It's constantly be said about you constantly being brought up. You don't like it. But the problem is it's true. What is it? You've got time to start being and doing what you want to be remembered for. Amen. Would you stand with me in the presence of the Lord?